welcome to the Scottish Paranormal Podcast. I'm your host Chris and here we'll be delving into the multitude of strange occurrences that happen within Scotland and beyond. You can contact us with your accounts at the Scottish Paranormal Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on all social media channels and you can contact us by either means. Tonight's episode we're discussing all things paranormal with Mark. Mark's an experiencer and also an investigator. Mark carries out investigations with West Lothian Paranormal and also recently has conducted some investigations in some more UFO accounts within the West Lothian area. So we'd just like to get right into it now and we'll welcome Mark into the show. So we'd just like to welcome Mark into the show. Welcome into the Scottish Paranormal Podcast, Mark. How's things tonight? Yeah, good. Thanks, Chris. And thanks for having me tonight. Thank you. Not a problem. Um, so... Just, I know obviously now you do um, some invest- investigations with West Lothian Paranormal, you're involved mm-hmm. in that, and uh, you've been, there's some recent um, investigations, I know you were looking at like, a couple of UFO accounts in the area, maybe talk about them later on. Um, was there, paranormal-wise or UFO-wise or a mixture, what was it, can he got your, spurred your interest in the paranormal to start off with? Yeah, well, it all started for me, Chris, and you probably listened to a few other podcasts as well. It all started with uh, back in my, my childhood, and I'm originally from Dundee, and uh, where, I, where, I'm, where I am, there was the house you seemed to have an absolute flurry of paranormal uh, occurrences, and it wasn't just one uh, type of thing. It was there was essentially it was a, an area of high strangeness. Not it didn't happen to me, but there was a couple of family members that actually saw ghosts. Uh, I heard a lot of really weird noises growing up and there would be lots of hammering that I would hear and it would uh, it was like distinctive hammering and going for years. And uh, over and above that, uh, in the inside, outside, I would see a lot of strange lights. There was just, it would happen uh, quite frequently between 91 and 2002. So in that time, uh, I would be seeing or be experiencing paranormal phenomenon sometimes on a daily basis, and uh, it would just become the norm. And that's what got me interested in it. I think it always, even as a young child, I remember being fascinated about it, but definitely growing, definitely uh, becoming about 11 years old and starting to see these things for myself and hearing these, uh, hearing these things in the house, and it would be unusual footsteps when you're only in the house yourself you hear people walking up the stairs mm-hmm. there was unusual like it was almost like screaming noises that I really can't explain and uh, and over above that the strange lights they, and they were they weren't they weren't any of the, the normal things you you could uh, account for like uh, aircraft or mm-hmm. uh, or even drones even those 90s that didn't happen there was just it was definitely uh, something that was uh, un- unidentified so yeah, that's what got me into it, and I've been into it ever since. So, go, going going back to when you were younger, did you have like siblings and stuff like that in the house as well? Because you always find quite a lot of paranormal aspects of stuff. It's always surrounding kind of children, or there's a number of different children in the house and that. I mean, I know like yeah. past cases, you you always hear of that. Yeah, there was uh, I had uh, one sibling, and uh, and I, I will just go into the stuff that I've I've gone and. Just now, Chris, just because I don't have uh, my siblings. Just... No, no, that's not. I'm just wondering. It was mainly about yeah. just, it was because, like, example, just you're hearing other people, regardless of they've experienced and stuff, and no, um, it's always been a case of there's maybe been other siblings in the house as well and stuff like that. In regards to it's like 
I don't know if it's energy or generating activity and stuff like that, but you always kind of find that as a, a common theme. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Paranormal cases and poltergeist cases and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so moving on, kind of for that. So when you were um, kind of younger, and that was like, a, you probably have a bit of a mixture of different paranormal uh, aspects going on there, maybe like ghost stuff and maybe like lights in the sky for UFO stuff. What kind of part of the paranormal took your interest the most? It was definitely the lights in the sky. Uh, I wouldn't, I've always called them UFOs, but to be honest, looking back at it and being technical, it wasn't really, I don't believe it was an object. So it really isn't, it was the more uh, realistic explanation is a light in the sky. But it wasn't just, there was the worst cases where you maybe see like moving stars and people can argue, well, these were satellites. There was a, a lot of times there would be over neighbors' houses and then maybe we'd be about six foot across and uh, extremely flat. So there was no way there was an object or certainly uh, no occupants inside. And they were a light source themselves. You see light bouncing off that and reflecting off uh, some of the houses that were painted white, for example. Mm-hmm. So these that didn't happen all that often, but it did happen. Uh, happened in 91 and then between 96, 7, 8 and 9 it would be almost a, a yearly thing, especially in the winter time, you'd be seeing some sort of unusual lights. And they would always change as well, Chris. So it wouldn't be one time you see it would be like a kind of like a standard like this shaped UFO. It would be another time there would be they'd take another shape, like there would be take an array of small lights, for example, and then they're expanding and contract and they even become like uh, more opaque. So they're actually dis- uh, become more transparent and uh, then mm-hmm. uh, become more luminescent and uh, it was it was incredible to see these things just actually not only change colour, change shape and size, but clearly there was uh, an element of intelligence to that. Now, even even nowadays with drones, for example, that that's simply couldn't be replicated. It was just it was nothing that you could put as a, a rational uh, explanation. And I certainly have tried to uh, over the years to think could this be some sort of uh, rational, like a light show, for example, or uh, anything like that, but just simply there's, there's nothing like that that could uh, uh, that we have that could actually explain the type of lights and the way they behaved. Hmm. See, so moving on for that, like how long did you kind of experience this for? Does it right throughout life or was that a case you just when you were younger or they went your teenage years and stuff like that? It was so it happened when I was 11 and then between say and that was that was 1991 between 92 and 95, there was, I was actually almost in the, it was actually late, like 96, there was nothing like lights in the sky. Maybe occasionally you would see, like, star, I would call them moving stars, basically. Mm-hmm. They would be things, and they, these, these could, and probably a lot of the time were actually, would be satellites, but not all the time. And occasionally you would see, like, stars, for example, maybe not just one, but, uh, quite a few of them uh, moving in an erratic and unusual way, or even sometimes change course, for example, which is not consistent with satellites. But occasionally, I almost certainly would have uh, mixed in a few uh, rational explanations with uh, rational uh, satellites as well with with those sightings. But that was all I really saw. It was only between 96 to 99. And it would happen almost in this period of maybe... Uh, between 97 and 99, you'd almost see them for maybe a period of two weeks, for example. And you'd be walking down the street and uh, you would just see these 
it was light, almost like sheets of light, for example. And it was it really, it was it was quite incredible to see Chris. And I, I can't I can't really explain it, but it was almost like the sky became white uh, uh, in one one area. But yeah, between ninety one and ninety five, it was relatively quiet, bar the, the moving stars. It was only between like the late teens that I started to get quite uh, quite quite uh, energetic. Mm-hmm. There was also a time in two thousand two where I saw almost like several columns of light. I think it was five columns of light, and they would like uh, expand and contract. And there was there had been another uh, UFO sighting that I've reported in two thousand sixteen. Mm-hmm. But I think there was a bit of a, a, a another story towards that. That uh, um, yeah, that's uh, that's been someone. But yeah, between the late nineties, there was that was when it was most active. During the early nineties and mid nineties, there was a lot of things happening, but it generally was uh, it, it generally was like more thing like unusual things in the background, like unusual noises, unusual footsteps, and uh, those screams. But mm-hmm. it was more quiet than than the late than what was in the late nineties. Did you ever did you ever find um, any corroboration any sightings you had back then, or even looking back now that people had seen? At the time, or maybe as I said, if you maybe look back past history and you seen there was maybe reports at the same time or in the papers or, or anything like that, did you ever do any kind of research into that and look back on it? Or uh, no, I haven't uh, haven't done anything like that, Chris. Mm-hmm. Probably sh- I probably should do. One thing I was really interested to find out if there's any sort of ley lines or energy lines, and one of the some of the ways you could actually detect them is if you can maybe see like old standing stones, for example, or even running water, but there's there's nothing like that that I can see. The only thing I really know about about the area, like from ancient times, is that that would have been almost the area. There's a, a street in there's a the main like uh, carriageway in Dundee called the Kingsway, mm-hmm. and it's actually where the Scots King was actually chasing the picks to when they went to Bright Ferry to kind of uh, to kind of escape. Other than that, I really don't know of any. Uh, any standing stores or anything like that of, of interest in the area and I'm certainly not aware of any uh, historic events it was something that my family look, would not be uh, happy with me going and investigating basically I do know of other people that did have experiences in the in the area there was uh, as I said before there was a, one family member saw a ghost and other other uh, friends and family have witnessed UFOs as well. So it wasn't just me. There was uh, there was multiple witnesses when it comes to UFOs, but it did seem that I was m- seeing them more often than anybody else. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I, I mean, it's always as well if you've seen if you've seen one or two or or or, or whatever, you, you would probably spend more time looking at the sky and other people. I mean, if you see yes. one, you would look at you look mm-hmm. at the sky more than other people. You know what I mean, it's it's. Uh, you would, I mean, so it's amazing what people probably do miss because they just spend their, their life looking forward. <laughs> yeah, you, you also get quite adept at figuring out what's quite, and you can figure out quite quickly what's something that's uh, maybe a bit more explainable. So say, for example, uh, when you see like a, a an aeroplane, for example, you can see like the little red flashing lights, you know that's uh, going to be from the wingtips. And even satellites nowadays, the, there's... There was actually went back to, to my mum and dad's house and saw like two like very fast moving stars, but it was keeping on the same trajectory. Now, the, 
the the first thing I'd like to do is say, oh, that's UFO. But we can't do that anymore. The amount of, the amount of uh, satellites, especially things like uh, Elon Musk, for example, and they've got, uh, there just seems to be more and more satellites in that uh, in the sky nowadays. Mm-hmm. You, you can't go and just say it's UFO. You, you've got to put the most ra- rational explanation first. So that's that's what I'm doing with these uh, with, with these things. When I see like like stars are moving, but they're staying in the same trajectory, my my suspicion is to actually say no, these are going to be things like satellites. But uh, yeah, uh, you do you do figure out quite quickly what seems a bit anomalous and what seems uh, to be uh, the traditional. And if I'm honest with you, Chris, I would say the vast majority of things I see. Uh, moving are going to be things like uh, meteorites, satellites, and uh, and planes. I would say there's only a very very tiny minority of them are something anomalous, uh, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, it's also good to to know that uh, I'm not kind of going on the going a bit crazy and seeing everything to UFO. So I totally. that's the thing though. I mean, there is people out there who they believe in the seeing the sky as like a UFO or whatever, and that's the thing. A lot of people. Can you think that of people who do investigations in that? And it's not the case. I mean, we look at the rational aspect at first and we look at the, the most plausible first and try and um, look at it with a sceptical attitude. No, I mean, I wouldn't say it's healthy to be kind of sceptical about stuff. Um, but at the same time, no, just being a sceptic for the sake of being a sceptic. You know what I mean? As in just discounting everything. But it's looking okay. at it a, a rationalistic way. Um mm. In that as well. So, how yeah. did you how did you kind of go for that aspect to end up um, looking at kind of investigating stuff and and kind of getting into that that aspect here? Well, I started doing investigations in back in Dundee in two thousand thirteen, and there was an old there's an old abandoned house. I won't give the I won't give the name of it, and it just it really was very very. Intense. I went with a, a group of investigators. We really, looking back at it, we were all quite novice, but the, the amount of energy there was absolutely incredible. It was just uh, off the scale. And there was a, another lady that went with me, and I remember her just breaking down. She was actually sensing this, uh, sensing quite uh, a lot of energy in the in this house, and. Uh, yeah, so we went there and we're just doing these investigations and I was able to realise that there was a, a bit to it. And over from there, just as soon as Facebook kind of became a bit more popular and saw a lot of paranormal groups starting, uh, I also started with a, a group in Currymuir and uh, the chap who who was there, he was just, he had a lot of equipment and had a fantastic psychic as well. So just starting going with them and, the, and getting a bit of experience with these guys, getting to understand the, the equipment and what it's like to work with psychics, that's that's what got me into it. Mm-hmm. So when I moved to, I lived in Fife and Markinch for a number of years. And then while I was, uh, while I was there, I got, uh, I found out about West Lothian Paranormal. Mm-hmm. And I went to a few of the investigations and the speed place like Dunbar, for example, and uh, they're all old townhouses. So there's a lot of the, it's almost like a circuit of paranormal investigations now. So you'll see the same things over and over again, like Dunbar or Nidri uh, Vaux, for example. And just went to as many of these investigations as I could. And yeah, there was, sometimes it was quite interesting, but as I've gotten a bit 
I've done these for quite a number of years now, Chris, and to be honest, I feel now that while I still like to keep my hand in them, I don't want to be doing them as often as, as I used to do. So, yeah, sorry, going back to your original question, though, that's how I got into it. It was just through looking at people, Facebook groups, and even Gumtree, and finding out people are doing these sort of investigations and getting it to work them, basically. Mm-hmm. So what's, what was kind of... Looking at kind of some of the cases that you see there, anything like that, or I know the investigations, but it'd be like anyone set up going to like a certain location or anything like that. Was there anything that you've kind of picked up along your way that's like maybe some of the kind of stranger stories of that, or what's some of the kind of stranger stories that you've came across? Uh, there's definitely been quite. A, I would say again that the majority of the times I've seen stuff. Um, I'm going to offend a lot of people, but I don't feel that everything's necessarily paranormal. Um. I don't think that one of the things that paranormal groups do is they don't really seem to use equipment as well as it should be used. That's going to find a lot of people, and I, I don't mean to. Uh, but there was too many times when I just felt that people don't really know much about the equipment and the, the standard of evidence is relatively quite low but there are there have been on a couple of occasions where I've heard with equipment or seen with my own eyes some things that are really were quite outstanding the place that I'll never forget is Gilmerton Cove and um, that was just that 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 was crazy I've been there twice where is it it's in Edinburgh and uh, Nobody really knows the nobody really knows the history behind it. It seems to have been there've been tunnels at one point, but you you drive past it, so it's near like places like Dalkeith and stuff like that. And it's actually in that uh, so it's like kind of like the the east end of Edinburgh. And um, yeah, so in Gilmerton Cove, it just looks like a normal like a little shop. There's a number of shops, and just you wouldn't know it's there. I went there. I've been there twice, and the first time I went there. They think they think it maybe been a Hellfire Club at one point. It's got a number of chambers and uh, it's all again. It's all underground and it looks like it's been it's been dug up, been dug up. And I remember getting the most distinctive smell of alcohol. And even though nobody was drinking, it was incredibly overpowering. And it's probably it's been a few times in my life where I've not seen things but smelt things, for example. Mm-hmm. And that was that was definitely one of them. The it had an effect on a couple of people, which you can't get into. But it was uh, it was very very intense. Uh, the second time I went back, people were coming back against scratches, for example, and uh, I went with uh, West Lothian Paranormal. But the energy was was much much nicer with with less uh, with West Lothian with West sorry with the West Lothian Paranormal. Boston. Uh, with the West Lothian, we've done a couple of other investigations. There was one in Dunfermline, an old hospital. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, we're the only group that's ever investigated there. And that was that was really crazy. The West Lothian have a fantastic psychic. And um, I'm really glad she was there that time because it did feel quite an, a dark energy to the place. When we went there, there was a couple of ladies that had some electronic phenomena and we're almost having like a two-week conversation with spirit. I've never experienced anything like it before, Chris. We were 
actually, like, say, for example, I can't remember the lady's name, but it's the first time she's done an investigation. And say her name was Alana, for example. Uh, you could actually hear voices saying, Alana, and uh, calling after her, for example. And there was that sort of two-way process behind the, you, behind the conversation. Was, a, was that on an EVP or what? Or? It was like an EVP. I'm not exactly sure what equipment was used, but I'm not aware of any sort of like uh, falsifications or or any sort of like uh, tricks being played by the by the ladies. It does seem, to as far as, my, as far as my knowledge goes, it, it does seem like two genuine people that had uh, recording equipment and did pick up a, a did pick up a, a the voice of a of a of a spirit. I mean, I've heard that just a few times. Other time was with the spirit box with the uh, Lanarkshire Paranormal, mm-hmm. and uh, they were doing a, an investigation in Lanark, and uh, they have a lot of like uh, customers come in, and this lady said, "Is that you, Auntie? Auntie, whatever?" And just got a voice back saying, "I," and people could see it as a radio, but to my heart of heart, I really don't believe it was. I really believe there was a. Mm-hmm. Uh, there uh, was something to it. So, yeah, I, I don't hear it happening a lot, but when it does happen, uh, the, the the equipment can give some good evidence. And uh, but the most of the time, I haven't haven't heard. It hasn't been too often, but you do hear do hear a bit of evidence from time to time. But yeah, the majority of the times when I go out, I don't feel like I'm getting anything too sensational. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the thing, I think that what you're saying as well is like the, you've got quite a lot of paranormal groups and stuff and and going out and with equipment and and, mm-hmm. and simple things as well, which people like I always when I see some of these kind of shows and that people are running about with the EM EMF meters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they're probably sitting with a phone in their pocket as well, which like you need to put all your devices in a block bag and, and stuff like that. So you didn't yeah. get anything that's going to negate interfering with the EMF meter or anything mm-hmm. else or or bag or, or I mean, so it's things like that, for magnetic readings and all that kind of stuff as well. It's like, oh, oh definitely. And all that. You need to put all that stuff in a block bag. Um, I so, sorry, when you go. No, there was just, there was a, there was a guy, I can't remember, I think it's guy's called Steve Parson, I can't remember his name, but he's actually done a lot of research on, uh, he, he has done a lot, of, he has done a lot of research on, on the kind of equipment and it's everything from the stuff like spirit boxes and, mm-hmm. uh, even like uh, temperature readings, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and the nowadays you've even got like these sort of like uh, SLR cameras, for example, where people believe they're picking up uh, phenomena. Yeah, and he he's even said that now, now people are even going further and using Tesla cars to drive about like graveyards. And he said that the algorithms in that software, for example, aren't designed. They're designed to pick up like corners, for example, and they sometimes can mistake corners for, um, for, uh, for, for figures, for example. Yeah. They, and he said that the majority of evidence uh, from from, the equip, from this equipment isn't really, uh, isn't really strong. It's not really makes a scientific uh, mark. Uh, I'm afraid I have to agree with them, but not totally. I have heard on time to time uh, some some strong evidence. The for me, I believe more the, the sort of psychic route, and I believe, uh, I genuinely think that Westlothian Paranormal is one of the better organizations 
to go with. I think that uh, in terms of safety, in terms of the people that you're going with, and sort of like they they are they are a really good group. And if you, uh, they they also do have a lot of equipment, and they do seem to know a bit more how to use it. But uh, in all honesty, it's the more the psychic group and uh, those sort of like feelings and experiences that I, I get. I kind of agree a wee bit, like a wee bit of both with that. You know I mean, because I mm-hmm. do think that some of the some of the electronics in that they work and some of the stuff, for example, using like paranormal or UFO stuff these days and all the thermal equipment, IR equipment and EMF and magnetometer, yeah. all that kind of stuff does work. Um, but even as well, like the stuff where you get the, the spirit boxes and all that kind of stuff as well and the EVPs and that. And I mean, like I'm not, I'm not one that uses any of this kind of stuff or, or does all that. I mean, but I, my take on it is then them as well. It's all to be a bit of both, it's the intent on the user, you know what I mean? So it's a bit of like, I'd say psychic intent on the user and what's coming through that, you know what I mean? That's that's kind of a bit of taking it, but I might be totally wrong anyway, but... I, 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 no, honest, honestly, Chris, I, I honestly don't know. Again, if you look at like Steve Parsons, he wrote for like the the American Society of Psychical Research Yeah. on the, on the use of equipment. He said that one thing that is a, a strong uh, evidence of something paranormal is what you were saying before, is something like the IR. If you can detect that, there's a, a a quick drop in temperature of something like seven or ten degrees. I can't remember exactly. That's that's a strong amount of evidence to show that there is something unusual happening there. Uh, I, I don't agree with them completely. I, I really don't know what whether it is in, their intent is uh, makes a difference or not. Uh, but overall. My my feelings with equipment is it's not always as as strong as what people believe it is, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to offend a lot of people with that. But that's just my this, that's just my take on it. I think I mean I mean you can argue a lot, but cases it's how it's used and what it's used for. I know that kind of stuff is like yeah. coming into play. You know I mean so, um, and so West Lothian as well. I mean so West Lothian. I'm from West Lothian. I mean you stay in West Lothian now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's quite an odd place, you know what I mean? You do get, there's been a lot of strange cases of the years and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of stuff have you found here? Well, I've done a fair bit of investigation around uh, West Lothian, and it's not doing the, the sort of psychic stuff, it's actually going to speaking to witnesses. So one of the first things, uh, one thing I did recently was about October last year, uh, where I am in West Lothian, there was a Facebook group it wasn't just it wasn't like a, a normal group where you'd it'd be like a, a group where you'd people are advertising like tented windows or like uh, curry houses or stuff like that mm-hmm. and it's not nothing to do with the paranormal and there was a lady posted saying that she's seen a, a ufo in livingston and then so i went to i went to speak to her I actually got a lot of help from Malcolm Robertson and Alison Dunlop who we've had on, on previously and they were extremely generous with their time and um, I went to investigate the witness. Uh, there was also a number of other witnesses posted on, on Facebook so I went to speak to, to a couple of them and get their take of it and over and above that I also found out that same night there was a number of people elsewhere have seen uh, anomalous light. Some people saw it, one person saw it on the Oak Hills in, uh, in near near like Tullybury in Alawa. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seemed to be happening that entire day, not just in West Lothian, but in all over Scotland. So I investigate that case. Uh, not all the not all the leads panned out. I did I was able to take that some of the 
some of the witnesses may have been mistaken, but overall, there was a. It does seem that it was a genuine case of of a of a UFO was detected that night, especially by the primary witness. And uh, I sincerely believe that the witness, what the witness has seen, mm-hmm. over and above that, um, I've also done a bit of investigation in, into the Bathgate Hills. I, I think that the the Bathgate Hills are just incredible. I, I don't know if there's any place else that's uh, that's as busy paranormally wise as uh, as the Bathgate Hills. Maybe arguably places like Bonnie and Bridge, for example. But one thing I'd probably say is that it seems to be, I'm hearing more, I'm a lot more accounts about uh, the Bathgate Hills than I'm hearing about Bonnie Bridge, maybe I'm just uh, a bit closer to it. Over the, over the past year, I have heard of a, of a second sighting of the Silverman, and that was seen by a, a gentleman and his uh, girlfriend that, uh, in the Bathgate Hills, again, very close to where David Coleman had seen it back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. There's been a number of cases of UFOs at Cairnapple Hill, and they seem to again uh, complement a lot of the what the people that you've had on mm-hmm. on your podcast, like uh, the gentleman who Andy who saw stuff in Armadale. It seems that it seems to be a UFO hotspot, especially around Cairnapple uh, Hill. The other things that I've also been witnessed, I've also heard about. People having like having encounters with ghosts at Loch Coat and also at uh, Witch Creek Hill, which is also known for the Korean War Museum or monument. Sorry. So it seems to be an incredibly active place. There's a number of uh, sightings being seen. What's really interesting about it is it genuinely is an area of high strangeness where we are seeing ghosts, UFOs, but also beings uh, of I don't need. Really, fit into anything, don't really seem to fit into ghost categories or UFOs. It's, uh, it's very, very active. I did a fair bit of investigation last year into it and came up with uh, quite a number of interesting uh, accounts. And there was also investigating a few accounts around uh, Mid Calder uh, and uh, and West Calder as well. There seems to be quite a lot of uh, things ha- uh, quite active in around that area, especially the Mid Calder Woods that's been uh, a few sightings of, of ghosts being seen around there. Mm-hmm. See, going back to the the the, the second sighting, the silver man. Could you could you go into that a wee bit more? What they seen and stuff, and where they yeah, uh, he didn't. The, the gentleman who told me about it didn't actually go into to specifics. He just said he'd seen it and he'd seen it at a specific place, and he believes that there was a reason behind it. Mm-hmm. So he just said uh, in a brief. Uh, Brief message to me as well. It's actually by a Facebook messenger. But were they knowing the, they knowing the knock or something like that? Was that nobody were? They stayed, at, they stayed at the knock. They yeah. were staying at the knock help at, at the knock. And while they were staying there, they said that they met the Silverman. They never discussed uh, precisely the location, but the knock is very close to where the David Coleman had seen uh, his his sighting. They said that down the Silverman, they've seen some sort of like uh, silvery looking beings, and. Uh, they're also experienced like that the noise of a car with the uh, loud music pumping pumping away. Going back to Silverman, though, it was only to say that they've seen it a bit the same specific place, mm-hmm. and uh, there's some sort of reason behind it. But they never went into the reason why they why they've seen it. So, yeah, apart from saying that they've seen the Silverman at a specific location back in 2020, I, I really don't know anything else 
Barrett that they were, that they were deciding. Definitely a strange place though. It stretches right across into like uphall, um, and right across that area. I mean, the whole area. I mean, it's like it has got something about it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of stories over the years, and then there's just there's more stories out there. I mean, there is. Oh, yeah. But, uh, aye. So, so from there, I mean, in regards to kind of what other kind of stories and what's what's your kind of have, have you got any other stories from the area you want to tell us or in regards I've to? I've got a few. Uh, one story I thought was really interesting was that there was a a lady reported seeing what seemed to be a phantom plane, and. Um, Flying around, flying around, and her and her husband have seen it. Mm-hmm. And then there was a second witness. Uh, I don't know if you remember. Had uh, actually saw it when he was when he was at school with his uh, with his pal. Well, that was that was that was one. It was um, so I've not told listeners this. I mean, it's like it was an odd odd thing, but I'll recount it now. I mean, so I was primary. I think at the time I was primary five, and you seen like an old plane, and it was like a it was a. It was like an all World War II plane. It just mm-hmm. the school was in the top of a hill, quite high, um, in Armadale, and this old World War II plane basically just kind of the houses next to the school. It basically just missed the roof of the school, and then um, and disappeared over like the Mossland area. And at the time, I can't remember, but at the time, I think we ran across to see if we could see it or something like that. But it was funny because. Um, some a, a few other friends had seen it as well, and at the time, and I had kind of reached out to them recently, and I was talking about it and stuff like that. And it was just, it was just really, really odd because it was, it was close enough you could potentially see a pilot. That's how close it was. I mean, this thing just missed the roof of a house, but it was like an old, old, old type. And I, and I think that I think they actually figured out what kind of plane it was when they were looking at them all and stuff like that, and going back and forth with uh, the guy had seen it as well. But that was one of the kind of strange things as well. We couldn't remember much after it because, like, I think we thought we'd went to see, went to see it to see what had happened because it looked like it was going to crash in the moss. But then we couldn't remember much after it. But it was during school time, and this was the playtime we seen this. So it was like any odd one. We we're thinking if we went away, with the probably got in severe trouble for being out of school. But we can remember maybe try to go and look for it or or something. I can't. But it's been that long ago. But we definitely did see it was like so so close up. Yeah. Um, which had been that same kind of vicinity this thing we've seen as well or it's over that kind of neck of the woods because the direction if you keep going that way is I think the sighting that, that you had it was like further way over I'm not saying it was a ghost plane or anything like that it was just a case of you never know what it was it was just really 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 odd for the fact that the age of the plane and how how low it was I mean it literally just missed the roof a, um, it was an old house called Brody's house it just missed that roof I mean literally that close um, yeah. it was mad right yeah, well, it was not just yourself, Chris, that's seen it. It was uh, the lady and her husband had, had reported seen it as well. So spoke to spoke to the lady and uh, seemed seemed very very sincere, and she was really delighted when she found out there was other witnesses that saw it. Uh, going back to your question as well, and sorry, I've been going off a bit off of a tangent. No, no, that's fine. Is um, there's been a couple of other places I've investigated that haven't haven't really been investigated before. One of them is the, and the fantastic thing actually is back in down uh, South Queensferry, and the into Queensferry they've got the Jubilee Hall. It's got like the big town, town clock, and so as far as I know, Westland Paranormal the only team that has uh, has been there, 
I was actually uh, a very good friend of mine. He lives there. He got speaking to somebody who said, look, we saw a ghost. So I went and uh, organised it with Bristolian Paranormal. He went and organised it and booked the hall. And uh, we investigated the we investigated the hall. It was really a fantastic night. There was uh, we, we did it for charity. Like the one thing I have to say about Westland Paranormal as well is that they don't make money off it. It's either they do it for a cost or they do it for, for charity. Mm. We didn't make much money. I think we made about forty quid and we gave it to uh, we gave it to charitable donation. The the place was really interesting. So where they've got like one of the conference halls would have actually been where, where the court was. And there's actually down the cellar, there's actually the evidence of the old jail cells, for example. So the it was it was really quite good. There's also, unfortunately, there's a lot of witches were were convicted there as well. So it's got a bit of a, a grisly history. The reason why we went there was when we did go there, there was a, a staff member who seen had actually witnessed a, a ghost had uh, had appeared and uh, I can't remember the story too much. But they actually said that they, they witnessed a ghost and they're quite sincere. Spoke to the lady for about five ten minutes and she said, "Yeah, it was myself that seen it." Yeah, and uh, very sincere lady. So we, we did a did a, an investigation that night, and we never really picked up anything like absolutely convincing. But going back to orbs, I know orbs are. Are a bit of a, a it's honestly it's it really is the most contentious subject. Some people believe it's dust or insects, other people believe it's uh, it's something else. There did seem to be a few orbs, and it seemed to be one or two of them seemed to be coming whenever I came into the room, but nothing outstandingly convincing as evidence. But certainly uh, it had a weird feel to it, and certainly from the psychic impression that we got. They seem to have quite a lot of energy in the area, but nothing that we could we could say. Yeah, this is hundred percent a, a ghost, but definitely a lot of uh, a lot of strong energy in the in the in the hall. So uh, it was a really good night, and uh, I I felt there was something there, but I don't have the evidence to to back it up. Um, but yeah, I really really enjoyed going there. It's great to get places like that where you you've never done before, and you're finding out more and more about the area. And uh, the, the history behind it as well. So that was a good, that was a good night. It was a good, uh, new, good investigation. So we're looking at kind of some different types of phenomena. Um, what parts of it now intrigue you the most? Still, definitely. What was, what gets me the most is, is high strangeness, Chris. So it's not actually UFOs or ghosts or poltergeists or whatever it is. It seems to be when these things seem to be constantly seen over and over again and different types of phenomena by different people. Because I think these are going to be areas or centre points where we could actually see that there's something unusual there. Now, we might, be, might not be able to quantify what that thing is, but the fact is that when you get people, reliable people and honest people, over and over and over again saying we've seen things of different types that's that's what I find interesting, and there does seem to be areas of high strangeness in in around in around Scotland. So that's what I find uh, really interesting. Just going back, going, like going back to my my house in Dundee, it's where you see these things over and over again. Mm. The definitely the most spectacular has got to be UFOs or unexplained lights. When you see stuff like that, there's 
it, it, to me, that, that there's nothing more spectacular to that. I can't think of anything I've ever seen in my life that's that that uh, that compares to that. Mm-hmm. I've got to admit, I'm not the bravest person. I was, I wasn't like running towards it, like. Uh, but uh, looking back at it, they were phenomenal uh, things to see, and I'm very grateful to be able to see them. What's, what was going to ask you? Can he follows on for that? So. Out of all the kind of stuff you've looked at as well, um, regardless if what you've seen or what you've not seen, but what aspects of um, the paranormal as a whole um, would keep you awake at night? So, what in what in terms of like? So, like I know you know, probably you know. th- can. I know you can think the same because we know each other. But I mean, in, in regards to, yeah. and I know you can. I'm the same in terms of the high strangers and the phenomena, looking at that as, as a kind of hole and stuff and that. But I mean, in regard to the, like, there's, you've got maybe UFOs, you've got ghosts, you've got demonology kind of side, that you've got all that kind of stuff. And if you kind of took them as a separate entity, what kind of, what, what, what would kind of keep you awake at night? Or not maybe none of it would, maybe none of it would now, you know what I mean? But the, the, U, the UFOs of death have kept me awake at night. Um, the, this the sightings were so as I said before there was two nineteen ninety one was like the, the the big sighting that was there and that was a craft over over my neighbor's house mm-hmm. but ninety six that was when there was another like almost like you could see like a proper sighting so I, I can't I'm sorry to it's not the best explanation no, but no. when you see stars in the sky and um, movement stars in the sky they can be satellites and but when you see like like, like small lights, like uh, dimming and becoming brighter, and then getting closer to each other and expanding out, and then and this is in the sky and it's over above, just a, an old industrial estate, and then follows you down a follows you down a street. That that kept me up at night, and I was I just turned seventeen, uh, and I was just in ninety six, and that did keep me awake at night. And the reason why it kept me awake at night was, it was, it's, it's, this sounds silly, but it wasn't actually the sighting. It was the days after. It was about the time when, do you know the sort of like uh, alarms would go off? Like if you'd, like there was motion alarms. Yeah, yeah. And for about three days in a row, I would see my neighbour's alarm, uh, like light just going off and on and off and on. And that was until... That really frightened me just to see that thing just like throughout the day, throughout the night. Whenever I saw it, I could see it from my, from my window going off and on. It was almost like feeling this thing could be detected, whether it had some sort of heat or something like that, or but it could be detected by that light. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like saying, We're here. And that that was really that it was really scary. Now I've got to stress that I've never felt them being aggressive or anything like that. It's just the fact that it was just sheer, just how bizarre it was. It it was quite a, quite a scary, quite a a scary time. But yeah, apart from that, that's the only thing that's really kept me up at night. There's been once or twice when being in investigations and being a bit nervous about it. Uh, But that's been long gone. I'm very selective of who I go out with. I don't go out with just any old people. Um, the, I go out with West, when I do go out it's almost exclusively now with West Indian Paranormal 
and it's maybe about one in ten of their events. It's not it's not that often anymore. Mm-hmm. But I go with them for a reason. They're, they they have a lot of trust in their psychic and people that she's able to she she works on protecting us and keeping us safe. And uh, for me, that's very important. So I don't feel like I'm in danger with these people. I'm, I don't feel like I'm in danger. I don't feel like uh, uh, like I'm in trouble anymore because the people who I go out with, I'm selective about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't go to silly places that there may be some dark energy. Uh, I'm good at that. I kind of, I, I don't get worried about it anymore. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, looking back at it, there has been one or two investigations when I didn't know what I was doing. I never protected myself, for example. That did, looking back at that, that I did have a couple of uh, un, un, uncomfortable nights. And then uh, the thing with the UFO did keep me up uh, as well. That was <laughs> that came up for a few nights that night, that day. Do you think, like, um, like I don't know, I, I don't know, people can't say this or no, but like, see, doing some of these investigations and stuff like that, when you've got um, quite a lot of people there and uh, they're looking for something or they're, they're asking for something, I mean, as in regards to the activity, do you think that could be a conjuration of some, of some kind of doing that? And, and that could potentially cause it rather than the actual thing being there? It could be. It certainly could be. Like, going back to what you are saying before, is why is it that a lot of things happen with children? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is that because they're man, man, manifesting something to themselves? There's also this thing about psychokinetic energy, Mm-hmm. And it could it be that we've got a large group of people that these things happen, or is it, a, or is it something genuine? I, I don't think there's been as rational as possible. I don't think there's a strong way to to know which one uh, to know if it's one one thing or another. Mm-hmm. One thing I probably could say. And what I find interesting is when people aren't looking for the paranormal but see it, that would probably be suggestive of um, of there is actually something that's genuine ghost. But again, they wouldn't be on ghost hunts; they'd be like on their daily working life, for example. Yeah. Um, and I've got a few accounts of that that I could certainly go into. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it is it is possible it could be some sort of like I don't know, like psychokinetic thing. Or it could be that there are ghosts. It could be that a lot of the time it is ghosts, but sometimes it's maybe half and half. I, I really don't. I really don't know the the answer, and uh, it's not the best. Not the best answer, but it's probably the most honest. No, I just mean like get your get your taking it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we've all got. It's, it's to get any answer on on a subject. It's it's quite hard to get like a, a, I wouldn't say a right theory in it, but I mean, but it's good to hear what other people's ideas are. And mm-hmm. what they can they think and what they believe and and all that. I mean, what kind of we? I think we, for all the kind of maybe experiences you've had over like the past and all the books you you can read and all the information you watch and you form a kind of opinions or you form an idea or something and mm-hmm. you discount some bits of it and take it in. So it's good to see what kind of other people can think it and and yeah. that as well. Then what one one thing to still I think it's maybe. Maybe worthwhile uh, sharing is that I can imagine that it could be a bit of, bit of both, or that the sort of energy of the group attracts a specific type of mm-hmm. of entity. 
like the the first time I went to Gilmerton Cove, it was uh, there was that really quite overpowering smell of alcohol, and there was quite a, a an oppressive presence to it. But the second time I went was with Westland and Paranormal. And there's at one point, and if you ever get anybody from West London Paranormal up there that night, there was about 20 of us, and we could not stop laughing. We were just, and I don't know if it was the energy of the place or anything like that, but it was every time somebody just said something, it was they just it was actually it was quite a funny night. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, one girl did get scratched at one point, but to admit, but the majority of it and what people remember most about that night was the fact that it would just seem to have such a, a really amazing feel to it. Mm-hmm. There's also another time with the a case from Kareem paranormal investigators who unfortunately aren't uh, working anymore. Now, the, the guy who did it, unfortunately, isn't, isn't keeping too well, but his, his group was really, really good. They had a tremendous psychic, and they were very good at like clearances, for example. So... If uh, there's a haunted house, for example, they, would be, they were very good at getting rid of it. And there was one case where they did have one, one being that was trapped and the psychic was able to remove the and send, uh, send, send the ghost on its way. I wasn't involved in it, but I do know, I've met these people many, many times and I, and I trust them as being very sincere. And they said the feeling of, of just like joy and happiness was overwhelming so from these accounts I can imagine that there is a, a bit of a, a presence or some sort of like ghost there but it's other times it might be the fact that uh, we we are we are having an impact on the environment ourselves with our mood or maybe if there are people who have have got some sort of abilities are able to um to, to work on these abilities, it could be that all these places who have got high strangeness, for example, just seem to be easier for people with the abilities to manipulate. So, I, again, going back to I don't know, but there are certainly a few accounts where they say there did seem to be presences there and they did have an effect on people and the environment. Because mm-hmm. I, I always kind of think it when you look at um, paranormal kind of investigations and some of them, the way some of them are run, and then um, like asking someone to come forward and, 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 and maybe some like that or activity or can you like, like can you try to will or ask for some activity to happen and you'd get the same if no slightly different in things like CE5 cases yeah mm-hmm. they would do like maybe meditating they would, they would ask the same or you maybe even look at ritualized magic with the potential to do the same to try and invoke something so that's like my kind of, kind of aspect of looking at that I mean they maybe get these things there, but then it could be maybe invoking something else or mm-hmm. or making obviously the energy of the, the group bringing something forward as well, you know what I mean? So, um, but it's, it's, it's good to see obviously that they're doing maybe protection and things like that and um, probably after and before and, and, and whatever, and some of them. Yeah, uh, I would say that interesting. I've never been in, I've never been in one, so I mean, in regards mm-hmm. to doing that, I know it goes on in them and stuff, but um. But I just find it kind of interesting. Uh, going back to things like C5 and that sort of invocation, I can imagine that it's almost like a, it's almost like a bridge where whatever from that their side, whatever from our side, have kind of got to kind of 
be kind of on the right wavelength at the right time totally. for that thing to happen. The going back to a lot of the, the things I I see I have seen I genuinely believe I've done some sort of C five without without knowing it mm-hmm. because uh, it's going back to what what you're what you're saying, Chris, is when you when you when you go out at night and you've seen something, the first thing you're doing is you're looking at all the stars. Mm-hmm. And the time I the time I'm actually just thinking about this now actually is uh, the time I'd always see them was in the winter time. And I'd be taking the dog out a lot. We used to have a collie that demanded walks all the time. So I got quite good at figuring out what, looking at the stars. I can just imagine if I'm looking at the stars and kind of doing that sort of looking for something, is, is it, um, was I unintentionally kind of having that sort of focus of looking for something and then once in a while something just, just found me basically? So, yeah, I think it could be that there is an element of, of you, but also an element of uh, other side that kind of get together at the same time to find that sort of bridge and for something to happen. There's so many stories with that. I mean, with people, like, like on that aspect of looking for something and it, it, it comes to them as if, like, it's it's like, um, well, you hear the old kind of cliche kind of thing, the phrase, it's when you look into the best, the best looks back. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's like that. There's so many cases of that when people are actually looking for it, or um, and it just comes or whatever. But uh, it's it's totally interesting. Um, aye. So so moving on for doing some kind of investigations and that. I mean, what you can looking at or planning to do kind of in the future and stuff as well. well what I've been that, that's definitely two questions. What I've been doing the past few years is it was thanks to Alison Dunlop. I used to work for the North, the National Trust of Scotland, mm-hmm. and uh, when I worked there, they um, Alison asked me to to do a talk for the SPI conference, which is I think the biggest conference in Scotland. And I really didn't know what to speak about. And you you've got people like Alison, Ron, Malcolm. I've been doing it for years, and they're they're very good at it. And what, what just one day I actually got I was uh, I was in IT, and I just. Somebody called me from Drumcastle and just said, is that horrid? And I, I genuinely didn't know what Drumcastle was. And uh, the woman said, it is extremely haunted. And I was looking back at the case notes uh, from 2018 when I asked them. And in the previous months, people had reported, like five people had seen, seen a ghost just during the day mm. and things had been moved constantly. And then I've been there twice. So where was this again, sorry? Uh, Drumcastle, it's uh, in Aberdeenshire. Oh, right, okay. Uh, it's, <clears throat> next to Crath- it's quite close to Crathers Castle, which is quite well known to the Green Lady. So because of that, what I did is I actually spent uh, a good six months or a year like, going through all the National Trust and Historic Scotland places and literally going up to the staff members and saying, is this place haunted? And half the time I got looked at like I was like some sort of imbecile. And... Uh, that, well, actually, that's for most people, actually. But uh, there was a few times that you just you actually got speaking to people and they're saying, "Yeah, this place is is haunted." Like I, I've ex- I've witnessed things myself, or I've seen things, and that was really good when you actually get these sort of first-hand uh, witnesses. You you start to see that there is something genuine to it. The other thing you start to see is you start to see that the stories that you hear online not not all the time are actually consistent with what people are seeing. 
mm-hmm. and that that was really interesting. John Castle, for example, uh, House of Dunn in Mont- near Montrose. Uh, that's a really good example of that where people are talking about headless knights, for example. And I never, when I went there, the lady said, no, I've never experienced anything like that. But they had experienced quite a lot of paranormal phenomena. Mm-hmm. And it just it just became fantastic just going around all these areas and picking up the, the stories and speaking to people. And uh, so I did that uh, back in 2018, 2019. And then did a talk for the SSPR uh, just last month. And did the same. So just going, to, I was literally going around places uh, in Scotland. Uh, I know you're quite interested in Robert Kirk, and Robert Kirk was part of the Enlightenment. He was trying him. He was basically what he was trying to do was, from a from a religious context, try to justify why religion was still needed during the Scottish Enlightenment when it was more uh, that the educated and elite were looking at uh, more of a scientific. Uh, and rational and mechanical view of, of uh, the world. And there was also another, there was a mathematician called George Sinclair. And both him and Kirk were, were really interested in trying to have a serious effort in trying to find out uh, areas of the paranormal. So Robert Kirk was looking at things like the second sight, various sightings, while George Sinclair was looking at things more in the lowlands, like places like Glen Luce. So just went around like Abbotsford House, uh, went to uh, Lock Maven Castle, Mm-hmm. And just picking up uh, accounts from people, and it it, it really is fun, just phenomenal, Chris. Like one thing I've I've, I've come to realise while doing this is just how lucky we are. And I encourage anybody to do this. You look on if you Google like if you if you Google anything like this, films made in Scotland, you'll find that a lot of the the movies are actually made in Scotland. Are stuff like train spotting or things like Ned's or things like like normal everyday life, marriage, drugs, crime. Well, you look at it from the American point of view, and it's more like it's supernatural. So stuff like uh, Avengers with the the Scarlet Witch, for example. But then even you look at stuff like Prometheus or these sort of movies, they all have like elements, especially at the start, where there actually some mystical and magicals happening in Scotland, mm-hmm. and. Um, you see it over and over again. This the the the, the, the area that the, the mystery is all around us. You, you don't have to go far, and you find these places that are just incredibly fascinating all over the place. And for me, I, I find it's just fantastic to, to to be in a place where you can almost throw a stick and land on someplace that is uh, is incredibly fascinating. And that that's what I've done. Uh, the place that really really stood out was Abbotsford House when you find out about Walter Scott why he's so interested in in the paranormal and you find out as well that a lot of the his work went on to inspire people like Mary Shelley and Bram Stoker he was he, he helped uh, influence the, the romantic gothic style of uh, horror style of, of uh, fiction that we see to this day like even if you look at places like Carnival Row or the regulars on Netflix they have that sort of like Victorian area paranormal phenomena and that was influenced by Scott. And we just think that our, essentially much of the fantasy and much of the things that we see on Netflix and Prime and uh, Disney are actually influenced by Scots. And I find that absolutely fascinating. So that's what I've been doing for the past uh, past few years. But moving on, that's something we've been speaking about. Mm-hmm. I, I work with data 
And I would really like to start finding out how can we use like data analysis tools uh, and sort of, like that, sort, of, sort of like proper tools to get good information on, on the paranormal. So moving forward, in the next few years, I'll be looking at doing that. I'm also going to redo research and try to get as much research out there, try to find out how much, what sort of research is there and uh, find out find out what's out there basically and have it strongly documented, good evidence for, for future investigators to, to, to have uh, to get conclusions that I, I won't be able to do in my lifetime. Yeah, that, that's what I was saying. Sounds good. And that's saying as well, we um, catching up with um, Nathan Paul Isaac for the, the Penny Royale and stuff. Because like, well, going to sit down with him because they, they do a lot of data mining and stuff mm-hmm. they um, getting a lot of their information and, or, or supporting what they're looking into and stuff like that so um, that's what I was saying to you before but try to like I'm going to sit up with them can pick his brains a wee bit what they do and what they're kind of finding out and I mean you're right in what you say you know what I mean there's like a plethora of stuff here that what you can mm-hmm. and look at you know what I mean like I'm talking where I'm sitting now there's like um, I mean a stone throw just down the road in a battlefield I mean, mm-hmm. there's like a, a 13th century castle about a kilometre from me, lying derelict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, the amount of stuff. And, and then the Vathgate Hills are just like no far up the road. I yeah. mean, and up there is a wealthy stuff up there. I mean, it's like an odd place. There's plenty oh, of stuff yeah. to dig into and plenty of stuff to look at. And that's one thing I was talking about, um, looking at other stuff today, be investigating stuff and... Maybe no missing stuff, but there's loads of other like what you're talking about. There's loads of information you can dig into and look at, and maybe one story will bring you one. Me, like when I mean, I've been looking at some of the podcast stories and going, on, there's maybe something where you've been pulled in one direction to go and look at something, but because you've been busy, you've got life, you've got work, you've got kids, you just stop at that and you you move on to the next thing. But you know you could have dug a bit deeper, or you could have delved into a bit deeper. That I means so that's kind of what I want when you look at as well. And I know obviously you want to kind of do a wee bit of that as well. Um, yeah. and, and look at that kind of aspect to it and see what you can find at it, you know what I mean? So, yeah. but aye, so aye, so if you have any other kind of stories in that, feel free or either that we could kind of crack on and maybe catch up again at some point, you know what I mean? And yeah, maybe very, very quickly. I think one place I think is really interesting as well, and I'd like to investigate further is in Fife. And um, again, you could look at this and um, encourage anybody to do this. I'm not making this up. But if you ever, it just shows you how how frequent this is. If anybody's watched the Da Code and uh, they see like the, the line goes up from Notre Dame to uh, up to Roslyn Chapel and everybody knows that how, how popular Roslyn Chapel is. If you go further on, you can actually even do some Google Maps and find a, a henge in a uh, in Glenrothes, in the middle of Glenrothes, called Balfark. It's an absolutely straight line between Balfark Henge and Roslyn Chapel. So it's clearly on the Rose Line. And what's really interesting about that is that that leads on to another stone ring, stone circle called uh, Balburnie. That's got a couple of marks. Um, and these are, according to some people who believe these in energy circuits, these are like a, almost like a blueprint to energy circuits. And that whole area is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I lived there for a number of years and I'm aware of a lot of paranormal phenomenon in that area. So, yeah, that's probably the only thing I've been else apart from this stuff in West Lothian. 
uh, I'm quite interested in the moment is uh, is round five. Mm. But apart from that, yeah, that's everything I've got to say. So the the Bo Burnie, the, the, the Bo Burnie picture, remember that? The Bo Burnie picture, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's I've no, no, shared, no shared it online. I mean, but I've, I've let you see it. I mean, but that's the one yeah. where the. There's, there's definitely something in the back of that picture, which is like the clearest, clearest picture I've ever mm-hmm. seen of something it's in there. You, when you actually look closer to it, um, it's no got that section there above your lip to your nose. There's like nothing there. So it doesn't lead to your yeah. nose. It's no there because when you look at it, analyse it a bit more, but it's a, it's, it's a definite, um, I don't know, it's a, a creep. <laughs> something in the back of the girls in that picture. Yeah. It's odd as anything. Listen, uh, also another one, just to touch on Fife. Um, there's a, a forest in Fife, which we need to talk about as well. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But I'd, uh, I joined a couple of um, forestry forums. Mm-hmm. And I was like posting in some of the forums and stuff like that and, and talking about things to see what kind of, just see what kind of things like forestry workers find in the forests mm-hmm. and what kind of strange occurrences they see and all that. And there's a lot of, lot of black cat sightings. Although you potentially could get black cats or an animal or whatever, but you always got a lot of black cats and things like that, um, a lot of paranormal phenomena and stuff. So there's one place up in Fife, um, which the name escapes me now. Uh, there's lots and lots and lots of black cat signs. Um, I know, of, I actually know of black cat signs. I, know, I, I can't give the, the source, uh, but yeah, there, there's black, there's been a number of black cat signs. It seems to be, from what I know, uh, near north of Fife, so like when you get into the Tay to Dundee, basically that's uh, I'm aware of a, a couple of sightings there, and I know one that hasn't been reported. Uh, it's actually a family member uh, witnessed it. So I'll, these yeah, ones, that was, these ones, there's quite a few. It came from a few different forestry workers, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of I was on there for a wee while, and I, I posted up. It was the strangest thing you've found in the forest. And mm-hmm. once you got past all the kind of comical ones like Old Davy before nine o'clock and and stuff like that, <laughs> um, you did get some reports of, like people seeing stuff in the forest, like they seen like black cats. They, they came across maybe once they kind of dug through and unearthed stuff. They found like um, ritualistic stuff and, and things like that. And, and there's loads of stuff came out. But I think the most kind of prominent one was the, the black cats. And there was a few different accounts in the same area. Um, but I'll, I'll dig back through and find. I've got the name uh, stashed away, so I'll, I'll find the, the, the name again and, and ping it to you. It's, it's actually closer than you think. I think it's it's, it's quite low down, but we'll, we'll cover that. Listen, uh, thanks very much for your time, and uh, we'll, we'll get you going on. Obviously, I think we spoke about before. You can come on if you fancy coming on. Then a bit of posting at some point as well, and we'll we'll be talk to some of the people interviewing some of the people on different uh, topics and stuff. I'd be delighted. To-